Welcome to Ensemble, where the sum of the whole is greater than its parts. This week's bite-sized podcast is going to summarize the most important stories in the financial and crypto world for you. My name is Dean, with me is Tim, and today we are your Ensemble. Well, Ensemblers, it has been a huge week in the banking sector. As we left you this time last week, First Republic Bank, the 10th biggest bank in America, was on the brink of collapse. And within 24 hours of recording last week, they did in fact collapse, leading to the second largest banking collapse in American history. Just to give a little bit of context, Washington Mutual collapsed in in the brink of the 2008 global financial crisis. That was worth 386 billion. First Republic went down now, 233 billion. But two of the other three largest banking collapses have also occurred in the last few months, being Silicon Valley Bank at 209 billion and Signature Bank at 118 billion. But Dino, tell us a bit more what happened. On Monday morning, the FDIC announced that they had decided to step in to First Republic Bank and have decided to sell off its $93.5 billion in deposits and assets. As a result, JP Morgan came out and said that they would pay $10.6 billion to the FDIC as part of the deal. So JP Morgan are the real winners here, paying pennies on the dollar for what was the 10th biggest bank. And what's really fascinating here is just a week ago, it was revealed that JP Morgan weren't actually allowed to purchase the distressed assets of First Republic Bank because it would give them more than 10% of the national deposits in America. So what we're seeing is the rules that are being broken in times of emergency and because there were no other buyers, and we're definitely seeing a case of the rich getting richer. So on Sumblers, we generally don't give financial advice on here, but it definitely does seem clear that your money is safer in what's called a systemically important bank the big four, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, City, etc. It's interesting that the competition authorities haven't stepped in to prohibit these type of monopolies because generally, like we said last week with the Microsoft deal in something else, the competition authorities would step in and prevent these types of mergers or acquisitions to protect consumers. But as Tim said, it clearly seems that being in a big bank is better. And the banking sector has definitely reacted to the news of First Republic Bank's failure. This week, we saw banks such as PacWest down 75%, Metropolitan Bank down 60%, First Horizon down to 57%, West Alliance down 53%, and other banks sitting within the 40% range. So it isn't looking great for regional or these small to medium sized banks. So this week, the Fed, led by Jerome Powell, announced the latest round of interest rate hikes. And there was a wonder, a question, whether they would keep fighting inflation and increase the rates, or they would increase spending and stimulate spending in order to try and save the bank. So what the Fed did is they tried to have their cake and eat it too, and just raised the interest rates by 25 basis points or 0.25% to a level that is now between the range of five to 5.25% which is the highest range since Ensemblers 2007. And we all do know what preceded that year. The more positive news though, is the jobs report, which indicated that 253,000 jobs were added in the last quarter versus the 180,000 estimate. So unemployment is at its 50 year low uh, at 3.4%, which is down from 3.6%. In addition, the labor participation rate is up to 62.5%, but this is still down from 63.3% pre-COVID. 
So just to give a bit of context here, the unemployment rate is actually the number of people who are simply filing for unemployment benefits, whereas the labor participation rate is the actual working aged people in America who are, as the name suggests, participating in the workforce. So definitely some positive news mixed with a negative and analysts don't really know what's going on in markets at the moment, whether to be cautiously optimistic or not. The other big bit of news in markets this week and ensembles you might have heard a lot of discussion around the debt ceiling. It's become a very strong political issue. The current debt that America has is a number none of us can comprehend at $31.4 trillion. And it was announced this week that the Republicans wanted to raise the debt ceiling in order to not default on the debt. However, Joe Biden and the White House said they will not be negotiating here, at least in the short term. So to put this into perspective, the US debt ceiling, which is currently at $31.4 trillion, means that government is indebted in an amount of $95,000 per US person, a huge number to comprehend. In addition, government is paying $1.3 billion of interest every single day. So what this in essence means is that the US is spending more than it takes in, so they have to borrow money. In 2022, the US collected $4.89 trillion uh, from different taxpayers, but they landed up spending $6.27 trillion, really meaning that they are in a negative. And these deficits are primarily caused by structural factors, such as the aging baby boom generation, rising healthcare costs, a tax system that does not bring in enough money for what government has promised to citizens, and other related factors. The downside though, is that if the US defaults on this debt that they owe, it would ultimately mean that we would see huge market volatility, a recession with job cuts, and federal benefits to various US citizens being frozen. And this is why we've discussed a lot in the last couple of weeks ensembles about the BRICS nation, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa coalition or pact, who are trying to remove or de-dollarize the world by weakening the US dollar because there are signs that this is just not sustainable. And one thing that America might have to do is turn on the money printers in order to pay this debt, which of course leads to higher inflation. And we're in this very, very negative cycle. Ensembles, let's move across into the crypto world. The big news of this week is the leading blockchain company in America, Coinbase, who's publicly listed in on the NASDAQ, has just launched their international exchange. So as Tim said, Coinbase is going international. And this past week, they released their international exchange, which is only open to institutional investors for now, which allows any investor outside of the US to invest in perpetual futures of Bitcoin and Ethereum with a five times leverage. This is all settled in USDC. It is definitely a bit of crazy news because we've seen other countries around the world provide regulations, but the US still cannot get it right. When FTX collapsed, there was many, many negative comments from regulators on the fact that they were based offshore, but in essence, they are the ones forcing US companies to open up international exchanges or operations abroad. Just want to be very clear here, though, Ensembles, is this was not a knee-jerk reaction to all of the most recent SEC filings against Coinbase and then Coinbase countersuing the SEC. Coinbase announced this a few months ago and have been working on it definitely since last year and with some close partners from the start of this year. So it is not a knee-jerk reaction, but it is clearly a sign of these American blockchain companies being pushed abroad. So the innovation and the actual liquidity and money is moving abroad. And this comes also at an interesting time where we have Hong Kong legalizing the use of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in the next few weeks on June 1. And we have MICA 
which is the governing body in uh, in Europe who've just released their regulations for cryptocurrency that will be starting in 2024. So both of those two major regions in Asia and Europe are going to have playgrounds in order for the blockchain areas to play in. Playgrounds that will have. And another country that is adding to this list is South Africa, who are expected to have their own form of crypto asset regulations during the course of this year. So different crypto asset providers who operate in this market will have to register with our regulators and it's definitely interesting to see that even your third world countries, which are grey listed, have sets of regulations coming into play that make it workable with the various different crypto providers. Uh, Dino, you don't live in a third world country, don't worry mate, but everyone, let's have a look at the markets. Bitcoin was down 1% to $29,000 flat. Ethereum was completely neutral, staying at $1,900 despite a lot of volatility during the week. And in the main markets, we mentioned before a lot of the negativity around the banking sector that led the S&P 500 to be down almost 1% at 0.8%. The Dow took a big hit at 1.4%, but the Nasdaq actually had a small gain of 0.07% on the back of some positive earnings results amongst tech companies. Ensemblers, that's all for today. Keep stacking, hodling, building and maximizing our ROI. And remember, you're not alone. You're part of our ensemble trying to get a bit financially smarter every day.